This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. So straight up at the top of the show, I have a quick confession. This episode in its entirety, it's really for me, okay? It's been widely talked about on the show that I am the only one at the table uh, during these conversations that has not completed an Ironman. Uh, And I've been prepping uh, for a while now to toe the line at Ironman Texas. Uh, And and the closer I get to my first Ironman race day, the more questions I think of in relation to being a rookie, a novice, a newbie at that distance. So today, I am peppering our coaches with all of my aspiring Ironman questions. And if you guys, our listeners, just so happen to benefit from this, well, then that's just a bonus. Um, I mean, I'm just kidding, of course. You will benefit, I think, I hope. Um, But again, this one's for me, so I don't care. Uh, Okay, joining us for this conversation is Coach John Mayfield, a successful Ironman athlete himself. John leads TriDot's Athlete Services, Ambassador, and Coaching Programs. He has coached hundreds of athletes, ranging from first-timers to Kona qualifiers and professional triathletes. John has been using TriDot since 2010 and coaching with TriDot since 2012. Uh, John, how's it going today? You ready to talk Ironman? I am always ready to talk Ironman. That's the spirit. Uh, Next up is pro triathlete and coach Elizabeth James. Elizabeth came to the sport from a soccer background and quickly rose through the tri ranks using TriDot from a beginner to top age grouper to a professional triathlete. She's a Kona and Boston Marathon qualifier who has coached triathletes with TriDot since 2014. Elizabeth, thanks for joining us. I am so excited. Uh, Ironman is my favorite race experience. So being able to devote an episode to answering questions that are going to be helpful to others as they prepare for their full distance event is is truly an honor. No, no, no. Not helpful to others. Helpful to me okay. and me alone. Yes. Uh, <laughs> next up is Coach Jeff Rains. Jeff has a Master's of Science in Exercise Physiology and was a successful D1 collegiate runner. He's qualified for the Boston Marathon multiple times and has raced over 120 triathlons from competitive sprints to full distance Ironman. Uh, Jeff has been coaching runners and triathletes since 2009. Jeff Rains, ready to answer my questions? Yes, sir. Andrew, I can't wait for this episode for you, (laughs) but I also can't wait to be at your finish line, man, uh, of your first full Ironman at Ironman Texas. I cannot wait to be there and hear those words. Andrew, you are an Ironman. Thanks, Jeff. See, guys, this is the energy I'm talking about. Focused (laughs) on me. Focused on me. So far between the three of you, it's a race, and Jeff Rains is winning uh, this podcast so far. So <laughs> nothing new. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Andrew, the average triathlete, voice of the people, and captain of the middle of the pack. As always, we're going to roll through our warm-up questions, settle in for our Ironman main set topic, and then wind things down with the cool down. Lots of good stuff. Let's get to it. Time, time to warm up. Let's get moving. From Ironman to the Challenge family and every lesser known but equally awesome race production company in between, there are so many amazing races each year all over the world. For some folks, that bucket list race is their hometown Ironman. For others, it's a destination race, and for many, it's Kona or bust. 
For our warm-up question today, what is that bucket list race that you dream of racing but just haven't had the opportunity to do quite yet? Now, I never go first on these, and since this episode is all about me, uh, I'm going to start. My bucket list race is Challenge Roth. Uh, I've always wanted to do Challenge Roth. Uh, I I have some German heritage. My grandmother's German, and... Uh, I don't know, when I just look at the the course there and just the the event and they've got the climb uh, up the hill that's just very Tour de France style with the crowds, uh, it, it just seems like a race that is just uh, uh, otherworldly. There's no experience like it, and I've always wanted to fly to Germany and do that race. And if I ever do a second Ironman after Ironman Texas, it'll be because uh, John Mayfield or someone else has talked me into flying over to Germany to do Challenge Roth. So um, that's mine. And, and John, you and I have both talked about how that's an interest to us. Uh, is that your bucket list race or is there another one? Yeah. So when you do your second, <laughs> I was race, just so. about to say that. <laughs> it, it may or may not be challenge Roth, but, uh, it'll be out there and, and yeah. So I think for me, um, my bucket, since this episode is all about you, yes, my bucket list is to do challenge Roth with you Ooh. How about that. And how my about best, that? My best friend just recently moved to, to Germany and uh, he's, he's an Ironman athlete. So it'd be a great opportunity to get to uh, race with my buddy Luca again. Yep, Luca, who was uh, featured on episode thirty-one of the podcast, from Spaceman to Iron Man. You, you can't, you can't just say, you know, your, one of your best friends moved to Germany and leave out the fact that it's a NASA astronaut. Uh, it's actually an ESA astronaut, and that's why he's back ooh, in Germany. Ooh, you're right. Yep, thank you for the correction there. Uh, he's a baller. Yes, so. Uh, yeah, so if, if you sign up for Challenge Roth, it looks like John and I might be coming to Germany one of these days uh, for John's seventh and my second and Luca's, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Uh, can't wait. Uh, Bucket list will be fulfilled there eventually. Um, Elizabeth James, now you've done Kona, so I know you can't say that or else you would. Uh, so, so beyond that, what what's kind of your bucket list, top of the table, you want to go out there, race, and do it? So I had this answer anyway, but now that we're kind of <laughs> buttering you up, I feel like it's even more appropriate. Challenge Roth? Uh, no, but... Well, staff's going to go? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Staff trip. Just paying for my trip? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I love you, buddy. But... Podcast recording at Ch- Challenge Roth. There we go. <laughs> um, but no, I'd, I was actually going to say Greece. And, oh, yeah. You know, be this all to either your credit or your fault. I, I mean, you've just described this race in such amazing detail that that is now on my list i am good at describing things i have to give myself uh, a pat on the back for that but no seriously just an amazing trip just a, a beautiful people the the grecians and uh beautiful race course really cool experience and, and vacation so uh please please go do it and um you know bring me back some of the the greek food because i still dream of it to this day um jeff rains top of the list what's your bucket list race uh you know kona and, and, and 70.3 worlds are, are too easy um you know, if, if if I do ever get to go to Kona, it would just be enjoy it. Hard parts getting there. Uh, you know, bucket list. Just you know, don't necessarily care about the the yeah. finish time. Just enjoy it. But um, kind of the same idea uh, would be New Zealand for mm. me. Something out of the country. I think mm-hmm. um, just such a beautiful, beautiful destination that uh, if I did pick that and, and commit, um, I I would just want to finish it. Just enjoy the day out yeah. there. Another one, Andrew could. Uh provide some local knowledge on another, yeah. another one i have done um again not an iron man i did the half uh that that day uh the same day the full was happening and yeah just a great race i mean my favorite swim course uh in in topa uh new zealand um so yeah when you guys go do those um yeah, let, let me know and i can actually provide you with some tips on uh, how to navigate those courses and those race experiences so i can finally repay the favor of uh, uh giving you guys a little insight as you guys give me and our athletes insight uh, every single episode. So 
glad to repay the favor one day when you guys get to go to your bucket list races. So guys, we're going to throw this question out on social media. We want to hear from you. What is your bucket list race? If it's Kona, hey, that's okay. Uh, if it's if it's Challenge Roth, you can go fly over and, and do it with John and I, or, or if you're already one of our German athletes, you're already there for us, uh, you know, w- waiting to greet us at the airport and uh, go do the race with us. Um, but wherever you are in the world, uh, let us know what is that race that you are just, if, if you had the opportunity, you would just in a heartbeat choose to go and knock it out. On to the main set. Going in three, two, one. You can race all the distances, you can listen to all the podcasts, and you can attend all the Tried Out Race Recon webinars, and still, there are just some Ironman lessons that just won't quite sink in until you're out there on the course experiencing it for yourself. So today, I've gathered as many of our coaches as I could to impart their own Ironman wisdom into those of us, myself particularly, uh, who are approaching our first Ironman race. Uh, or, or, or maybe even you're, you're out there and you've done a few and, and you're just looking to learn a little bit more from the Trout Out expertise. Uh, we're talking Ironman race day today, and that's always an exciting topic. Um, so guys, let, let, let's start pre-race, right? What does an athlete like myself need to know about the travel and the check-in for an Ironman? Maybe we've navigated this at half Ironman. Maybe we've navigated this at, at, at a, a smaller, shorter race, but... When we're talking Ironman, is there any other consideration that we need to be aware of? So with Ironman, uh, there's a lot to do and there's a lot to experience. So my recommendation is to to travel and arrive as early as is feasible for you. So something to know is the vast majority of races, you have to have checked in by two days out. So if it's a Saturday race, you have to check in by Thursday um, and Friday for for a Sunday race. So we've actually heard from athletes in doing these race recon webinars, we talk about this. Um, and we've had athletes, and those those, those webinars are, are like four weeks out, four, five weeks out from race day. And we've had athletes contact contact us and say, what do you, what do you mean? I have to check in two days. My flight arrives the evening before the race. And it's like, you got to change your flight. That's uh, that's not, that's not quite going to work. So that's actually been quite rewarding. Then like we literally have saved people's races because otherwise they would have shown up the Good day before thing. the race. They tuned into the race recon weapon. And they will not Mayfield. let you, they will not let you check in. Like we've, we've unfortunately seen that yeah. with athletes on site before is you have to abide by those, by those check-ins. So, um, Obviously, you want to make sure you're there uh, within the check-in window. Um, but, but again, as I mentioned, there's a lot of stuff to do. Um, and, and there's also a lot of really cool, really fun stuff to experience. So it's one of those things that, that Ironman really is about that whole journey. For, for most people, it's, it's kind of like a year. That's how I think about my Ironman races, almost like a, a year um, event that, that kind of culminates at, on race day. But, but it really kind of builds and crescendos uh, in those days leading into it. And that's really where a lot of those fond memories are, uh, are in those days uh, where I'm on site and, yeah. and getting to see everything, checking out the event and everything that, that goes into that. Um, but, but also it's a little bit of an insurance policy. So, um, there's a lot of things to consider, a lot of things to bring and to pack. The more time you have, the more time you have, if anything goes wrong. So if you, um, forgot something, if something maybe happened to your bike in transport, you want to know that, um, four days out as opposed to two days out. Uh, if you have to find a store to get something, you know, it's better to have that two or three days out as opposed to the day before. So um, the more time you have, kind of, uh, you know, the more time you have to, to address anything, get acclimated to the city, take in the city, um, also relax. You know, it's 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 a very stressful week for, for everyone. Um, so if you can kind of do all those things over four days as opposed to two days, uh, it's a little more time to, to sleep in, catch a nap, 
uh, relax and, and really enjoy the experience. So it's so when we're thinking about, you know, so we, we get there early enough, you know, we've got things to do to get ready for the race. And, and typically, you know, we, we have, uh, whether it's a friend or family member, you know, you have that race Sherpa kind of helping you with those pre-race uh, festivities. And for all of my 70.3s, my wife Morgan has been an absolute champ as my race Sherpa. Uh, but with Ironman just being such an all-day event, does it take more support than just a solo Sherpa? Uh, is an athlete going to be at a disadvantage if they don't have adequate support going into the race? You know, absolutely. You've got to have that support. Um, and and first of all, I kind of like what John said uh, just a second ago that, um, well, I would actually first take that a step back and recommend that before you even sign up for an Ironman, that you get that commitment from the whole family in knowing uh, that, that you need that support, not just on race day, but all year long. And I like what John said about it's it's pretty much a year process. I mean, a lot of these races you have to sign up for um, nine to 12 months out if you want a spot even. Um, and so just letting everyone know what, what it all entails and, and, and letting, having them know, uh, what those expectations are. So, um, kind of continuing in for, for, for race week and race weekend. Um, yeah, the, the more Sherpa help you can get the better, but I would say, I, I mean, at least one, um, if not more would be my answer, but no matter what, expect, uh, expectations need to be set. So, so those those Sherpas, they, they can have fun. It's a vacation for them. You know, they can go visit the wineries and all of that. But the priority needs to be the athlete, and they need to understand that. It's an exhausting day. Your mind goes to some weird places. <laughs> um, and so having those, those Sherpa promises um, are, are just exponentially um, hoped for and, and expected uh, more by the racer. So kind of having that actual support crew, um, what they can actually do to, to help you is is they can carry your bags. They can help you save energy uh, that, that race week, that race weekend. They can run errands for you. You know, go buy a couple extra Gatorades, bananas here and there. They can get your bike gear out of T3 uh, after the race, going back into transition uh, a third and fourth time. Um, they can get your gear out. You know, the last thing you want to do is walk another half mile, get your bike, and carry yeah. a heavy backpack, right? Um, the last thing I want to see after riding 112 miles is my bike. I don't want to see my bike <laughs> after that. It's funny because we were just talking, you treat your bike so well, except for race day. Yeah. <laughs> you can and pee all over it. Um, but anyways, those Sherpas can help you set extra alarms. They can get the car running ahead of time if it's cold out and just stuff like that. Check out of the hotel. Uh, of course, the morale on the course we've talked about. Um, and just the fact of knowing you have a support crew, even back home, tracking you. Man, I've got those 10 people. I know they're tracking me. I know they're watching me. I can't slow down. I got to stick to the plan. Um, I've totally thought about that before, like at a half Ironman, like just like you know, as you're coming through splits, like just knowing there's people, you know, watching and cheering, totally thought about those people before. Yeah. And one of the biggest things is, is having those Sherpas get those priceless photos, you know, five, 10 years later, you're, you're going to remember the course and some of those memories, but actually having the Sherpa take pictures, uh, along the way is just, is just priceless. Yeah. And that, that's something that, uh, I definitely try to do for athletes when, uh, we're at the races, you know, for them, I've got my camera and I try to grab as many, as many trotted athletes as I can on, on, on camera to get them. Some, my, some my current photos. Facebook profile picture is a picture you took at Waco 70.3. You're freaking welcome. <laughs> um, so is there anything different, um, just about the pre-race prep, right? Because it, whether it's a sprint an Olympic, a half Ironman, you know, we're all used to kind of 
thinking through organizing your gear and settling it into the transition and, and checking in the bike. Is there anything different when we get to the Ironman level about that process? So there is, yes. Um, in shorter distance events, such as like a sprint or an Olympic race, athletes are very accustomed to bringing their bike with them on race morning. Um, however, in Ironman events, and we see this in the 70.3 as well as the full, an athlete will need to check in their bike the day prior to racing. Um, one thing that's a little bit more unique to the full distance events is that the the transition area is bikes only. And so when, you know, athletes may be accustomed to setting up that transition area in the morning of the race, they, they will not do that for the full. Instead, um, during athlete check-in, they will be given bags to place their bike and run gear into. And then um, the day before the race, they will pack up all their bike gear, all their run gear into those bags, and then drop them off at the transition area. Um, and I mean, everything with gear bags here is, is something that we go into in great detail on those race recon webinars. So if you're looking for more information about, you know, what to put in the bags, how to pack them, how they're utilized on race day, like when you'll have access to them, um, I'd, I'd really kind of point people back to the webinar for their upcoming event. So typically, you know, heading into a race, you know, we, we all try to get the, the best night's sleep that we can. Uh, and, and between nerves and, and anxiousness and thinking about, you know, the, the early morning alarm clock you're already setting, you know, you're, you're, you're usually not going to get as much sleep the night before race uh, as normal. And, and I, I think that being a good sleeper, being somebody who can fall asleep fairly easily is a spiritual gift <laughs> that I just don't have, that some people do have. And so being, being somebody who's a rest, fairly restless sleeper anyway, I just never sleep well the night before a race. And, and normally before a sprint and Olympic, you know, it's not a huge deal. You know, I try to make sure I sleep well in the, in the week leading into it, but the night of is kind of a crapshoot anyway. Uh, uh, so when I think of an Ironman, it's just such an all day long event, right? That, that you want to make sure you're getting as much rest going into it as possible. So, so what are maybe, uh, John, those, those last minute tips for trying to fall asleep and, and, and getting the most restful night as you can going into race day. So that's one of those million dollar questions at Ironman that I don't have the answer. Drugs. To. Do I take drugs, John? I would not recommend drugs. And I'm talking like Benadryl. Come on people. Like, and, <laughs> but, but yeah, there, that is a question that we get, you know, sleep aids and that sort of yeah. thing the night before just kind of anecdotally, I, I would not want that in my body the next day. Yeah. You know, I, you know, do maybe what you're used to. I, I would I would even kind of be cautious with things like melatonin and that sort of thing, even if you take it on a regular basis. Me personally, I just wouldn't want that kind of any lingering effects of that the next day. Yeah. Because um, obviously you want to be you want to be at peak. Um, so what I always recommend, and and I'm I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. I I sleep pretty well as a rule. I can fall asleep. Anywhere I can close my eyes, I can pretty much fall asleep. Um, but the night before the race, there's just, again, there's a whole lot of things running yeah. through your mind. There's a lot of things to think about, some worry, all that. So what I always tell people is don't plan to sleep well the night before the race. Um, if I'm wrong, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you know, But 99% of the time, I'm going to be right in this. You are not going to sleep well the night before the race, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time. Um, vast majority of people are not going to sleep well before the race. So um, one it's okay. There have been lots of fantastic races after a really bad night's sleep. So lots of PRs, lots of Kona qualifications, lots of Ironman finishes the day after a really bad night of sleep. So there's not necessarily a correlation. So you can sleep bad and still have a great race. So don't just don't 
get worked up or worried about that. And, okay. and, and oftentimes that's counterproductive. So it's like, I got to go to sleep. I got you're never going to go to sleep if you're, you because know. you're yeah concentrating on falling asleep. Exactly. <laughs> um, so to mitigate that, uh, my recommendation is to get as much sleep when you can. So in, in the final days and in the week leading up to race day, bank as much sleep as you can. So there is a cumulative effect of getting extra sleep. So maybe it's getting to bed an hour earlier. Maybe it's sleeping in a little bit. Um, your training load is going to be down that, that week. So maybe it's not getting up as early to get in those, those training sessions. So if you feel a little, a little nappish at three o'clock in the afternoon, absolutely. Again, if you've, if you get to the race site three, four days, before the race, there's going to be opportunities to sneak in some naps. Those are going to be the opportunities that are going to pay off on race day and offset any effects of, of a bad night's sleep the night before the race. Yeah, naps are totally my love language. So that's uh, I'm going to take that tip to heart. Um, Ironman events have largely moved to a rolling start where athletes kind of self-seed, uh, typically based on their expected finish time. Um, are there any considerations, Jeff, that we should make on where to seat ourselves and kind of when to actually officially start our race? Of course. Uh, I mean, I, I'd say there are many considerations. Um, start off by getting there early. Um, get in line. Some people are kind of stingy. You know, they, they got there really early, and, and it's, you know, the person that shows up five minutes before the gun goes off uh, unprepared, um, you know, they don't want them cutting in line and all that. So um, get there early, get in line, keep stretching, keep moving. Uh, another big tidbit here is is – you know, don't waste your warm up, right? So, so stay moving, stay warmed up, um, and don't stay on your feet the entire time. If you get there early, don't just stand there uh, statically. So, keep moving, get off your feet, stretch as much as you can. Um, I would seed yourself where you can have access, maybe to your sherpa, maybe possibly get a last minute snack or hand off your maybe some tubing bands, flip flops, jacket, something like that. Um, you know, if you if you need that last minute kind of sherpa morale there, um, you know, maybe get towards a, an area where, where you can have access to them as well. But um, know if you're going to use the, the morning clothes drop-off uh, and if that venue has that for you provided, where is it, and all of that good stuff. Um, so so for Ironman, they, they will probably have you self-seed yourself inside of about a 10-minute window range. So you may seed inside, let's say, the hour 10 to hour 20. You know, that is your projected uh, swim finish time range. So they'll have you kind of self-corral in that area. But inside of that 10-minute uh, window, you know, do you get at the front of the line, the middle, the back? Um, so, so where inside of that 10-minute window do you plan on being? And... Most people tend, I will say this, to to get in a wave that's five to ten minutes probably too fast for them. Um, I've, I've seen it, you know, most races, uh, even if it's Sprint Olympic, all the way up to Ironman, um, I find that the majority of the people in that swim wave uh, probably should have been back a little yeah. bit further in a slower wave. But, you know, as a coach, I would say get in your realistic projected finish time, right? Wh whatever you think you're going to swim 2.4 miles in, get in that 10-minute window. So, so as a coach, um, you know, self-seed in that. If you want to get a little bit up to the front, that that's fine. Um, you know, I understand that, you know, these athletes that, that 
move up a, a group or two when maybe they shouldn't. I understand that, you know, they want to get in the water sooner. They want to get their day going earlier. The anticipation's killing me, and maybe it's going to be hot in the afternoon, and they want to spend 10 or 15 minutes Maybe less. they're hoping to catch a draft off some faster athletes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's tons of different things. So, you know, as 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 an athlete, you know, I get that, and, and um, you know, that is appealing. But I would say use your discretion um, and, and be prepared, though, to get bumped no matter where you're at, you know, um, you know, if you find, you know, no matter what wave you get in, be ready, be prepared to find yourself swimming upon slower swimmers ahead of you and also be prepared to be passed or bumped by faster swimmers coming up behind you. So, so that, that, that 10 minute window isn't going to negate any of that. It's going to happen. Yeah. So, so as we talk about that, you know, 2.4 miles is a long way to swim. And with that increased mileage, you know, comes the increased potential for something to go wrong during the swim. You know, whether it's foggy goggles, you know, physical contact, uh, you know, getting your goggles knocked off, or, or, or even you know, some some muscle cramping and, and, and twitching. Um, how how can we best handle kind of swim course adversity in, in such a crowded field? Well, Ironman has done a really great job of organizing the swim starts and the swim course to lessen some of that physical contact between athletes. Um, but it, I mean. You still have a large group of people, many of them that are very nervous, all headed in the same direction. So I think knowing that you're going to encounter some physical contact in the swim segment, kind of planning for that, preparing for it with maybe some practice sessions that include swimming kind of in close proximity to other swimmers can really increase your comfort and your confidence in those situations. Um, I mean, to the other things that you pointed out, the foggy goggles, muscle cramping, or honestly anything else that causes you to stop momentarily in the swim um, just to kind of remedy that situation. I, th- I think acknowledging that is also very important. I've, I've had my goggles knocked off my head. My calves have cramped up. I mean, I've had my goggles fog up. I've had an anxiety attack in the water. So, I mean, you name it, I've, I've been through yeah, and all I'm, those I'm scenarios. I trying to think of the scenarios <laughs> that, that whether it was a sprint or an Olympic, I've encountered all of those mm-hmm. at some point. And, and yep. on a short race, you, you just kind of quickly try to fix it and it doesn't you know, affect you too, too much. But at Ironman, you know, people get out there in the middle of the Ironman Lake ocean wherever they're at and it's just yeah, like a long swim a little longer <laughs> uh, it, it just kind of raises the stakes mentally so to speak mm-hmm. and i mean for all of those what i'd say is i've encountered the situations and i've i've also gotten through all of them um you may need a little time to regroup you may just need to kind of move over to the side of the swim course um gosh i remember in <laughs> iron man chattanooga after getting my head dunked underwater a couple times i i knew i was going to lose the draft of the people in front of me so i opted to move out to the side of the swim course a little bit and just to kind of bring my heart rate back down before kind of rejoining the whole group i mean that was a great strategy for me um, just kind of remembering that nobody is trying to be malicious. We're all just trying to get out of the water. And if you need a little bit of space to regroup and kind of join back in, that's fine. Um, and, and then just a big shout out to the swim course support. Yeah, um, They are there to help you. And you can stop. You can rest on a paddleboard or kayak. You know, you can <laughs> hang on and wait out that calf cramp or readjust your goggles. You can take a little more time. Um, and if taking a little bit more time to settle yourself down, kind of fix the situation that you encountered is going to allow you to have a good swim and get out of the water, then fantastic. Do that. If, you know, you find yourself in a situation like that, flag down one of the volunteers, though it's likely they've, you know, already identified you and, and they're going to be there to help you. So to a certain extent, 
you know, the, the transition at a sprint and an Olympic and an Ironman, you know, aren't all that different. You know, sure, the distance that we're about to bike changes significantly, but, you know, we're largely still doing the same things to prep for the bike course. Uh, but one difference I do want to ask about, though, is is kind of that, that chamois cream and sunscreen. You know, at the half iron distance and below, you know, I've never taken the time to apply either. You know, but with a duration of an Ironman bike leg, you know, it, it seems like it'd be wise to to do both of those things. Um, you know, what, what is the best way to kind of apply these helpful creams in transition? So like everything else, um, test in training. So every long session that you're, you're doing, um, incorporate this into that. So know exactly what you need and, and how, whatever works best for you. So the race rehearsals are fantastic opportunities for this. That's exactly why we do these race rehearsals, um, so that we can test everything. So it's primarily things like pacing and hydration and nutrition, but we also want to test gear, um, and to know where, where is chafing and where is sun exposure and those sorts of things to know exactly how to plan best for race day so that you're not finding this out on race day. You have a plan and you know exactly what you need to do to set yourself up for success. Because if you don't, then obviously you're setting yourself up for failure. If you're going to get out there uh, and just bake in the sun, if you can get out there and and have have chafing and and, uh, uncomfortable in your kit, that is not going to be conducive to really enjoying the day. So um, that's just another thing to be cognizant of. Those those long days especially aren't just about going out and logging hours or miles. Those are really opportunities um, to to think about race day and kind of put yourself in that race day situation um, and learn from every one of those those situations, every one of those training sessions. Again, it's an opportunity to test what goes right, you know, put that kind of in your bank. If something doesn't work well, then next week, next long session, next short session, um, try something else and validate it. If it works well, that's why we do two race rehearsals prior to race day is so that we test and then whatever isn't perfect, we can fix in the second and whatever is right. We want to validate that to kind of make sure that person wasn't a fluke. So, um, again, every, every training session is an opportunity to dial this in, know what works for you, know what, what you like and what you don't like, and then come race day, you'll know exactly, uh, what you need. And and my assumption is that uh, applying some chamois cream, whether it's, I I, I use this, this chamois brand that like their stick, their little roll on stick, regardless of what you're using, what your go-to is, is that best saved for transition? Can, can any of that be done before the swim start even what will it remain on there what's what's kind of timing wise the best way to approach that again it probably is going to be an individual thing um i've fortunately gotten to where i have a kit and a routine that that i've i've largely eradicated most of that which is fantastic i have been in those situations where i used to wear a kit that it looked like i had open heart surgery because the zipper down the the jersey would would rub and basically cut me from throat to belly. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I would carry that and I would have, even in my special needs bag, I would have, um, and I still do this, the little small travel size Vaseline. Mm. Um, that's a great special needs bag thing, just in case there's anything out there that again, yeah, um, hadn't you never that. know what's going to happen on race day. But if, if in that, uh, maybe the first loop you feel something coming on, maybe, uh, the kit's rubbing, maybe it's your toes. It or, could save your nips, John. You save your nips. Have it and not need it. Then I need it and not have it. Exactly. And that's one of those cheap things. You know, they're, they're like a dollar or two at the store, throw it in that special needs bag. If you need it, that'll be the best $2 you spent on the whole trip. But if not, uh, it was kind of a $2 insurance policy. Yeah. So, so since you brought up the special needs bag, I, I did have a, a good question there. Um, because the bike course and run course, you know, they, they, those, that's where we have the special needs station 
available where we can place things ahead of time. Um, you know, f- folks will do extra nutrition. They'll do bike flat kits. They'll do Vaseline, uh, apparently in case, uh, body parts need it, uh, in, in these bags, you know, it, is it beneficial to take the time to, to stop, to reload at special needs? Is it something that we should all plan on doing or, or is it just kind of better to carry everything we need and only use special needs uh, as kind of that emergency stop? So when we're talking about special needs, I think a lot of this comes down to athlete preference and then is also based off of an athlete's race day nutrition plan. Um, I mean, just as John and Rains were mentioning, I, I would absolutely recommend packing a special needs bag with some of those, you know, items that are in case of emergency that you hope that you don't have to use them. Um, but they're there in case you do. So, you know, things like... <laughs> Pepto-Bismol or Vaseline, um, an extra tire tube, a CO2 cartridge. Um, hopefully you need none of those, but if you do, then they're there, they're available. Um, and that's going to make sure that you have a, an enjoyable remainder of the bike course or yeah. run course, whatever you need to pick that up on. Um, I mean, if you don't need to make a stop in terms of nutrition, then then great. Um, I mean, hopefully the bag is something that you wouldn't need to pick up. Um, athletes that use the race course nutrition may not need to make a stop there. But what I will frequently see um, and what I have done in the past is that athletes will put a restock of their personal race day nutrition in their special needs bag. And, and that's a great thing to utilize because then you don't have to carry everything with you on the bike. And so even if you could carry all of that with you, do you really want to add that much extra weight to the bike? With that many, you know, bottles with, whether it's you can, you know, which yeah. I know you use. You don't or... want your jersey pockets, mm-hmm. you know, stuffed yeah. to the brim with all of the extra bars that you're going to eat. Um, it might be more beneficial to stop to, for a minute. Yeah. Reload. To not have all that weight that you're carrying on the bike for 112 miles. So for folks who are planning on stopping, and, and again, this is just out of ignorance of never doing a, a race uh, that has the special needs stations, it, is it, do, do I need to stop, dismount my bike, and then go find my bag on a rack somewhere? Or, or are there volunteers there kind of seeing your number, grabbing that bag for you? Or does that just vary race to race? So it's a little different at every race. Okay. Typically, um, the bags are on the ground, um, kind of uh, sorted by number. Uh, something we talk about in the webinars is is doing something to that bag to make it identifiable that's going to allow you to see it because you'll have several thousand bags that all look exactly the same. My go-to recommendation there is some sort of novelty duct tape that you can get at Walmart or CVS or whatever, and it doesn't interfere with other bags or anything like that. It's just It just separates yours a little bit, uh, so that's kind of a little... Um, Which John, you, you yourself, you use Houston Texans. Houston uh, Texans, yep. Tape, right? So right before Ironman Texas 2020 got coroned, that actually was something I was shopping for. Some dolphin uh, tape. I was looking for some Miami Dolphin duct tape, and I, I was <laughs> I was really I would find I found some places that had it, but they were always sold out. Uh, so I don't know if it's just places that have any anyway. So that's I, I literally was shopping for. Okay, John told me to get specialty duct tape. <laughs> what what duct tape am I? And that aqua and orange is definitely noticeable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but um, the special needs stops are are generally very well manned with with volunteers that are there to help. You call out your number. Um, they're asking your number, they're looking for your number, you know, it's posted on your bike. So they're very proactive in, in helping you, um, do that. And, and really like, like start to finish in the Ironman race, those athletes are fantastic or the, the volunteers are fantastic in that really, if you want help, just ask, and you're going to have 
double, triple the amount of people that are they, they're there to help. They yeah. want to help. And yeah, you ask for something and they're going to like fight over the opportunity to, to help out. So uh, that's kind of depends. It's, it's great. If you want to get off your bike, I guarantee there's going to be somebody there to hold your bike and you do whatever you need to do. Uh, they'll bring you the bag and, and then they'll, you can hand it off to them. They're, they're just fantastic. So um, definitely as much support as you want or need, um, you'll find there at those, at, really at every every station. But, but the special needs uh, stops especially are very well manned with volunteers. And for the most part, you, you straddle your bike and, and stand, you know, over your bike the whole time And those, um, volunteers will, will give you your gear and, you know, you're just standing there unless you just need a portal potty stop or whatever and run, run, you know, run over to the side and use the restroom. But, um, uh, for the most part, you, you know, I would plan on, um, straddling your bike or at least being right next to your bike, bike on your hand, you know, at, at all times and getting that fuel, eating that banana while straddling your bike and then, give the bag right back to them, boom, and you can get off and go. So it's a pretty quick process. Kind of, Elizabeth, you mentioned um, maybe having an extra CO2 cartridge or an extra, um, you know, tube, you know, in in your special needs bag just in case. Uh, So while kind of talking about flat repair kits, you know, typically in Ironman, it's such a long race, you know, it's advisable to carry, you know, a a flat repair, um, whatever you need to repair flat on your bike. Should you have just a, a full complimenting set in that special needs bag uh should you carry two flat kits on your bike just in case uh, something epically goes wrong multiple times uh what's kind of y'all's advice there i i mean i kind of personally plan for the worst where i have it (laughs) on i have a full flat excuse me flat repair kit on the bike um and then if for some reason i had flatted prior to getting to special needs then I have something else to pick up and put back in my flat repair kit. Um, Jeff, something you mentioned uh, just a moment ago was uh, the porta potty, and uh, potentially going at, and making a porta potty stop uh, at the special needs station. And why, since you so gracefully brought up porta potties, um, it, uh, it's something I want to talk about. So, so in, in the various kind of seventy point three events that I've done, uh, you know, I, I visited the porta potty. In one race, I did it on the bike course. You know, in another race, I did it. I didn't have to until the run course. Um, there was one race that I saved it for transition because uh, I didn't have to go super bad, but I could tell I was about to have to go. And uh, if I knew if I waited till transition, it, it wouldn't tack on time to my bike split. It would tack on time to my transition split, and so my bike split would look just that much faster by not stopping for the porta potty then. Uh, and so, I've always wondered this though. You know, if, if you have the ability to, okay, you, you can tell in a day that long, you're going to have to use the bathroom probably once or twice, uh, uh, you know, a couple times, whatever. Is there a optimal time, you know, in, in TriDot, we want to optimize everything in triathlon. Is there a, a optimizing of the porta potty stop plan or strategy that where stopping on the run might be faster than stopping during the bike? You know, what, what's kind of the, the best scenarios in terms of planning our porta potty stops? Very good question. I mean, it, it's kind of a sensitive topic, and, and actually most triathletes, well, they want to tell you their stories anyways, but uh, they also tend to want to tell you uh, the, the GI stories as well, we'll call them. But, um, I mean, I'll say this, that that in, in half or full Ironman distance events, you should have the urge to need to pee, right? Um, and so a half Ironman, you can kind of get, get get away with holding it. You know, it's it's not as prevalent there. Um, you know, I've, I've had, uh, half Ironmans where I've, 
uh, I've peed a ton, which means I was very hydrated, um, but but I had maybe a bad finish time overall. And then I've had races where I haven't haven't needed to go on, go pee at all, um, you know, and, and had you know great races. So um, I will say though, for for full Ironman, you know, it's kind of understood that you should have the the urge to really need to pee at least two to three times uh, on the bike. So that's just kind of a given. Uh, many coaches say that if you don't have to pee multiple times on the bike, then you're not hydrating well enough, and it could come back to haunt you on the run. Um, but if you're doing it, you know, all right, you know, and, and everything's right and spot on, you're, you're getting your fluid ounces, um, you will and should have that urge. So do you really get off the bike at aid stations and add that time to the race? You know, like you may say, well, peeing three times on the bike potentially uh two or three minutes uh you know a stop i mean yeah. that's that's 10 it minutes is, added to your bike up. split um so so what i would say is, is is use that discretion but but what i do is if i'm having the race of my life you know um, maybe i'm fighting for a podium spot or you know i, I just don't want to add that time um you know i'm really caught up in the moment i i, I don't want to lose that mojo i'm in a good rhythm i don't want to stop um then then absolutely um you know if you're just let it rip on the bike yeah if, if you're someone who trains day in and day out and all you want to do is shave five minutes off that bike split. Well, you don't want to add that five to ten minutes back with all these extra stops. So what I do is when I see an aid station up ahead, I'll pee. I'll, I'll let it rip, like you said. Um, it's hard to do it, actually. Um, and, and this is, you know, a little bit of a, you know, a, a coaching advice here. But uh, if you're one of those people, um, practice it. Practice it on your stamina rides. Practice it on your race rehearsals. Your outdoor rides okay <laughs> practice it on your outdoor rides i've done 30 something half ironmans and it took me four or five of them i always said yeah i don't have a problem peeing on the bike i can do it it took me four or five races before i could do it like let's say five in a row i had to pee but i i wouldn't allow myself to do it yeah but i always told myself oh, i'm not and it's not i'm soaked with sweat anyways who cares uh i couldn't do it it took me it took me a long time to really and so you save it for an aid station so as you're rolling up to an aid station where you can grab a water bottle you let it rip and then you you kind of clean yourself off with that water bottle, toss it, and then keep riding, right? Yeah. Well, what's what's cool and actually pretty convenient is that uh, at Ironman events, those first ten or fifteen people um, are holding water bottles, and then that second uh, group of maybe ten or fifteen people are holding the electrolyte, maybe Gatorade, Endurance, Orange, typically is what is on Ironman courses. So the first half of all those bottles is water, and I always grab that first or second bottle. Always, I always rinse off just to stay cool. You know. Uh, rinse off any sweat, anything like that. And so what I just do is focus a little bit of that, you know, spraying, getting wet uh, on my, you know, my midsection area to, to, to rinse that off, uh, throw it down. Um, and then I grab that nutrition bottle. So I've lost zero time. Uh, I was able to use the restroom. Um, you know, of course, you know, veer off to the side, make sure no one's directly behind you, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but then, but then you're, then you're on your way. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I've probably overthought this because I've thought of so many different scenarios in my head, right? Just the day, you know, when, when I'm not able to fall asleep the night before a race, you know, you're thinking of these scenarios and what might happen on race day. You know, you're thinking, you know, oh, you know, if, if, I, if I have to go to the bathroom really badly, you know, should I, should I try to wait until the special needs station when I'm already stopping anyway? Or should I bike through that because maybe that bathroom is more crowded because there's more people there? And should I find a random porta potty stop out in the middle of nowhere? And you, you kind of think through like, and should I save it for transition? I'm already kind of, you know, off the bike and moving anyway. But it, it sounds like from what you're saying, you know, if, if you're on, I mean, the, the swim is its own thing. If you're on the bike, 
you know, let, let it rip as much as possible on the bike and, and clean yourself off and practice that. And, and, you know, but past that, you know, get on the run course, go when you need to go, uh, and just kind of let your body dictate when you take those breaks. Right. Well, yeah, at, at higher heart rates, you're actually, your urea system shuts down. Okay. Um, it halts a little bit. Um, so on the run course, typically the urge to pee, it's later in the day, you're a little bit more dehydrated. That urge to pee isn't as prevalent on the run, uh, as it is the bike. But I would say definitely, um, you know, try to at least go in T2 more so than T1 because the race has been going on for many hours at this point. You know, the, the playing field is spread out a little bit more. So, so lines or, you know, um, toilet paper and all that, you know, might, it might be easier in T2 than T1. Guys, RaceX is a powerful, powerful tool that guides our pacing every stroke and every step of the way. Um, so talk to me about this. I'm, on, I'm out on the course. I'm following my RaceX pacing. And at some point, most likely further into the race, for whatever reason, I start feeling the pace just kind of slipping away from me. And it's getting more and more difficult to stick to the pace that that's prescribed. How can I kind of best recalibrate mentally uh, you know, to the, the paces I should hold for the rest of the way. I would say to evaluate why you're, you know, starting to have that pace slip away and then reevaluate for what's realistic. So in the first part of that, kind of evaluate why this is happening. Is there something that your body needs? Do you need calories? Do you need salt? Um, were you, you know, going too hard a little bit on your pacing before you just need the opportunity to regroup, let the heart rate settle down a little bit again. Um, so really first kind of evaluate why this might be happening and then see if there's something that you could do to remedy that. Uh, one thing that I always try to do while racing is to stay very present in the moment and, and to really think about constantly, what do I need to be doing right now to be doing my best? And, you know, if, if that pace is slipping away, you may be realizing that your best on that day in those conditions isn't your PR time, but what is still the best that you can do on that day? And, you know, set something for yourself to fight for. Set something that is still going to be a goal for you, even if it's not your A goal and, you know, your stars and rainbows finish time of a day. Um, what is something that you can still be working toward? Maybe it's, okay, I want to be under this certain hour mark or, might just be, you know, goals of I'm going to jog until I get to the next aid station yeah. and then I'm going to walk <laughs> through that. Um, but just evaluating what you need to do and then kind of setting maybe some smaller, you know, realistic goals for you to keep moving forward. And, and, and not being afraid to kind of maybe tweak those goals, you know, mm -hmm. as the race is going. If, yeah. if that certain hour mark is slipping away from you, that, that, that that's okay. You know, maybe kind of recalibrate to, to the next goal. But I, I love what you said about um, just kind of thinking through in, in the moment, what do I need right now to be doing my best? And, uh, for, for my wife's coworkers, um, and, and our family, you know, that, that don't do endurance sports at all. I think the most frequently asked question that I get that I'm sure you guys get is what do you think about <laughs> yes. when you're out there? What do you think about all day? <laughs> yeah. And, and cause when they find out that you can't listen to music, like, you know, during a race, like they're like, well, what do you do? What do you mm -hmm. think about? Cause in their mind, that's the only way to get through such an event. And it's like, you, you, I, and I try to explain, like you're constantly evaluating, like when you're on the bike, like, mm -hmm. do I need to pass, speed up to pass this person? Do I need to slow down to not be drafting? You know, when's the next aid station? How long ago did I eat? And, you know, you're, you're kind of people watching on the run course, the other runners around you, what shoes are they wearing? Oh, there's somebody with the same Nike vapor flies that I have. Cool. High five. Like, you know, <laughs> there, there's always something going on. And, I would and, say like, this is kind of funny, but you're tougher the first half of the race 
you know, you're, you're kind of like the things you're talking about, my pacing and my, you know, my bike and all this stuff. Then like the second half of the race or the second half of the run, you're like, oh, that butterfly is so beautiful. You're like so emotional. <laughs> you're like thinking about like your kids or like all the things you've overcome to be there. And you're, you know, the, those emotions, man, they, it builds uh, throughout the day for sure. Kind of between the 70.3s that I've raced, you know, and some of those longer tried out sessions, you know, like the stamina work and the race rehearsals. At this point, I have a pretty good idea of what my nutrition plan is heading in the race day. Uh, you know, but, but as I, and, and the other, you know, kind of rookie, you know, Ironman athletes like me get deeper and deeper into the race. Is there a point where we should just kind of start grabbing whatever's at an aid station that looks good to help ourselves to the finish or is it better to kind of stick to what you know as long as humanly possible? So I, I will say we talked about these things like race rehearsals where we dial in everything. We have a fantastic, well-tested, well-vetted plan. Um, but uh, it's the great Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And at some point... <laughs> That's a great quote for Iron Man it, too. And it's so, it's so pertinent because at some point it is very, very likely that Iron Man is going to punch you in the face. And your best laid plans are just gonna fall to the mat um oh, i've and gotten so, bloody noses uh in the swim of an iron man before i was gonna say <laughs> very appropriate with that uh, body so contact there <laughs> so again like like you said what we want to do is have that plan we want it to work as as for for as much of the race as possible but uh it's it's such a long race there are so many hours so many miles to cover and there's a lot of things that can happen within that time so um there's a, a good chance that at some point um, you're going to need something that that's going to require deviation from that original plan. So um, what I'll say is nothing new on race day until what's known no longer works. So mm. at some point it's it's almost inevitable that you're going to have to do some improvisation. You're going to have to overcome something. And, and like Elizabeth mentioned earlier, maybe it's you need salt or calories or hydration and you're going to realize, oh my gosh, I, I got behind or for whatever reason. Um, so it's all about, um, listening to your body, finding out what you need and then do what you have to do to get to that finish line as soon as possible. No, yep, Super helpful. Thanks, John. I, I, I love that. Um, stick with what you know and until what you know isn't working. That's, that's fantastic. So, so we've said it before and, and John, you said it just there, right? It's a long day. Ironman is a long day. That's going to punch you in the face, maybe a couple of <laughs> times, right? Uh, and mentally, you know, there are going to be moments that are, are enjoyable and exhilarating and, and everything that you've trained for. Um, but it's equally possible and, and probably even probable there's going to be moments where you find yourself in a bad place. You know, you're, you're going to hit some rough patches. You're, you're going to kind of go to some dark, have some dark moments. Uh, talk to me about navigating through those moments and, and rallying to press on toward the finish. I know that I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, my race day mantra is I am stronger. And so with whatever situation it is that I am currently facing when, during the race, I, I just remind myself that I can get through this. So I'm stronger than this freezing cold and choppy water. I'm stronger than this miserable headwind that I'm facing on the bike, or I'm stronger than the blisters on my feet and this urge to just start walking and stop. Um, I, I feel like coming up with, you know, your personal phrase or your personal mantra can be very helpful and really just kind of bring you some motivation and guidance, um, some reminders about why you're out there, what you're doing, um, and, and give you that opportunity to kind of rally yourself and push forward. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people put family pictures on the top too with their bikes. So every time they kind of look down and grab that nutrition, they think of their family. Um, you know, if, if their mind's going to a bad place, that, that brings them back. Um, 
you know, people will, will put in T2, you know, maybe like little bracelets that their, their daughters made them and they do the run with that. Or, you know, they'll carry some sort of memorabilia because maybe they're racing for a loved one that, that that's passed away or something like that. Mm-hmm. So Or a letter of encouragement in their special needs bag. Exactly. So um, just just something to to bring your mind back to the bigger picture um, when you're having those those rough moments. John, I think what I'm going to do is just remind myself in those dark patches that I can't go to Roth and do Challenge Roth with you as my second Iron Man if I haven't finished my first Iron Man. And Mike Tyson is chasing you. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, we finish. We hear Mike Riley or some equally awesome race MC call out our name. You know, we get the medal. We pose in front of an Iron Man banner for a pick. Uh, in our wiped out, delirious state of mind, you know, kind of what are the post-race things we need to make sure we take a second and do. And I, I would love to just have each of you just contribute one thing uh, that, that our athletes need to keep in mind to do uh, kind of a, upon completing the race. John, I'll start with you. So I would say back it up about five minutes and um, really ensure that you take in this experience. Because as I from the very beginning, I talked about the this this whole thing is an experience. It's a It's a year leading you to this moment. And it's, it's crescendos in the months and the weeks and the days leading into the race. Um, but really, it, it reaches its peak there, um, not even necessarily at the finish line, but also um, in those last maybe half mile, those last couple minutes where um, it's, it's magical. This is, I'm getting goosebumps even, even thinking about it and talking about it. This is what brings you back to do it all over again. You'll spend the money, you'll invest the time, the pain, the blood, sweat, and tears just so that you can experience this brief moment again. So um, I think the biggest mistake I see in Ironman racing is when athletes just sprint that last 100, 100 yards down the finish line, and they just it's such an incredible opportunity. I would say do the opposite you may be running your best pace all day long. Uh, and I would say, unless there's like 59 showing up there on that clock, slow down. When you hit that red carpet, the race is over. That's celebration time. Um, really soak it in. Find your family. Listen for your name to be called. That's It's, it's, it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, when you hear your name in your hometown and, and you're declared an Ironman, that's just like one of those like top 10 life experiences. So um Perhaps of, of I have so many tips for someone racing Ironman. Uh, perhaps that's the one. The number one tip is soak in that finish line experience and just don't don't rush it. Uh, again, unless there's a 59 on that clock uh, or something like that. Uh, if you're seconds away from your PR, get across the finish line. Um, but if you have the opportunity, milk it for all it's worth. Yeah, and I'll, I'll even say this, you know, so I haven't raced an Ironman yet. I've, I've been at a few Ironman, you know, when we as a staff are cheering on tried-out athletes. And, um, you know, I, I remember from Ironman Arizona this past year, um, there were several athletes. Um, Jeff Rains and I were, were we, we, were stand, we weren't at the finish line. We were right before the last turn into the finish shoot cheering on athletes. Um, and, and a couple of tried-out athletes came by, and before they hit the finish line shoot, you know, they, they, they would take off a sweaty visor. They, they, they would take off the jacket they were wearing because it had gotten chilly. And, and it was almost like they, they saw a familiar face and then they, they were shoving our way. 
the things they didn't want to be wearing in their finish line picture. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, and, and which is smart, right? Ha- have that in mind. You know, you, you've worked months to be ready for this race. You've worked, spent hours on the course. Like that, that's going to be your Facebook profile picture for a hot minute. Like, you know, t- t- yeah. take a second and do what you want to do. Take to the capitalize. sponges out and yeah, <laughs> yeah take the sponges Straighten out of your the, the glasses, zip up the Jersey. Yeah. Those are all important things to do. Get out well. that last knot rocket. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so Jeff Rains for, for you, what, what, what would you say is kind of that, that, uh, po- post race finish, uh, tip. I would say the best answer is what John just gave, but um, I'll but give John I'll, gave it. So what's yours? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a quick <laughs> like in the moment. I'll give a quick one of a day or two after, and then one uh, a week or t- month after. So uh, I'd say um, right in the moment, a thank a volunteer. A lot of Ironman events will give you a wristband that you wear all day that if you choose to, and you can give that wristband to a volunteer, and you know the volunteer that has the most, you know, is kind of voted the, the best volunteer of the day. So, thank a volunteer, thank your do Sherpa. They, do they want your sweaty wristbands? <laughs> uh, that it's a thing. It's a some thing. of them do. Yeah, it's a thing for volunteers. I never heard of that before. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So, huh. so thank a volunteer all day long, but but at the finish line, um, you know, if you can think of it, um, say thank you, right? And then um, a few days after the race, it's funny because every half and full, you know particularly fools that I've ever done uh, as I'm crossing the finish line. I'm like, this is great. It's over. I will never do one of these again. I'm hurting. And then it's funny though, because like a few days later, you're already surfing the internet, which one you're going to sign up for next. It's just really weird how that works. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the weeks and months after the race, uh, maybe you want that tattoo. Maybe, maybe it, uh, it, it's a little cliche, but, uh, <laughs> you know what, post race, you know, may, maybe that's, uh, uh, something that, that you're intrigued something by. Something to consider. Um, so start thinking about what design you want to put on that, uh, that M dot. Elizabeth James, close our main set down, down, down with this. What is your, uh, post race tip you want to leave athletes with? Well, gosh, like I have um, just sat back because John went and I'm like, no, that was my That's answer. What you were gonna say. And then Rains went and I was like, darn it, that was the other thing you I were was going to say. You get a tattoo, weren't you? Okay, right. Yes. Yeah. But I, I mean, what they said was slowing down and then thanking the volunteers. That's fantastic. And that's immediately where my mind went to, too. Um, as Rains was kind of talking about, you know, the things maybe a little bit further removed from the finish line. Um, one of the things that I have done for a number of my Ironman races that has given me a whole lot of joy is, is to sit down and write some thank you notes post-race and to really kind of identify a lot of those people that were just instrumental in getting me to the start and the finish line of that day. And it, I mean, it's neat for them to receive that kind of recognition and acknowledgement of how much that they helped in that. Um, but I found that it was a wonderful thing that just gave me a lot of joy too, is to really kind of reflect on that whole year process and think of, wow, all of the people that invested their time and energy and support into this event for me. Great set, everyone. Let's cool down. The main set today was for the athletes and the cool down is for the Sherpas. We talked a lot about going into your first Ironman as an athlete, but Sherpas have feelings too. And Sherpas <laughs> deserve a shout out as well. So whether an athlete relays these tips to their non-triathlete Sherpa friend, or if an athlete listening to this finds themselves playing Sherpa for someone else, can you all just go around and give one quick next level Ironman Sherpa tip? And what I'm looking for is kind of maybe you know, a, a great way for a Sherpa to help out an athlete that that maybe wouldn't be obvious on the surface and they might not automatically think to do 
uh, th themselves. So Elizabeth, I had you go last last time and, and everybody poached your answers. So let, let, let's start with you. I would say accept the stinky, sweaty hug at the finish line. Um, I mean, I've been on both ends of being the <laughs> athlete and the Sherpa. And I mean, from the Sherpa's perspective, yeah, like it's, it's nasty. It's disgusting. Um, I mean, as an athlete, we, we know we smell terrible. We know what we mm -hmm. just put our bodies through for, you know, the last uh, half a day or so. But we we so want you to be part of that moment and that celebration. So for the Sherpas out there, yeah, a little gross, but please accept our stinky, sweaty hugs and help us celebrate. Yeah, for, for my wife and, and me at the half Ironman level, you know, our, our tradition has become... Um, because when I was doing my first half Ironman, she was on course and she, she was like, man, I want to Instagram after the race. Um, and, and so she had in her mind, she wanted to do a picture where I jumped on her back uh, and, and she was holding me up. Uh, and she thought it'd be a funny Instagram. Oh, Andrew just didn't have Ironman. I'm having to carry him home, like, like kind of post. And now it's become our tradition where after every single um, you know, Ironman event I do, um, that, that's that's the picture we take. And so, oh, that's so fun. Um, yeah, and so that, that, that kind of reminds cute, me of Andrew. that. So. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff, you're still winning today's podcast, by the way. We'll be there to help help Teach you up pet. onto her back. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. So, so Jeff Rains, what, what is your Sherpa tip? Quickly to piggyback on uh, Elizabeth's, uh, as a Sherpa, don't miss the finish line. That's just it. I mean, um, it's it, it's the closure of, of a long journey, year-long journey, all that stuff. So so just don't miss it, whatever you do. Um, but I'll say after every fool I've done, you know, I've told myself, I won't, I won't even look at a goo. I don't want to think about them. I don't want to look at it for at least six months. You know, by the end of an Ironman, I'm done with all the supplements, not just goo, but I mean, um, I, I like goos and I use if them. If it's offered on a race course, you don't want to take it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm just done with supplements. Um, but I would say for those Sherpa, uh, duties to, to have something besides a supplement at the finish line, um, you know, a little bit of, of, of sugar, you know, some fun nourishment, you know, have, have a fresh Coke or a sweet tea or a cheeseburger or something ready, you know, don't, don't hand me a cliff bar or something, uh, <laughs> at the end of an Ironman. Cause I've been eating those suckers all day. Um, so, so have, have a fun food or, or something there. Um, after that sweaty finish line hug. Yeah, no, that's great. John Mayfield. So we mentioned after 112 miles, uh, four five, six hours on your bike, the last thing you want to do is spend more time with your bike on that day. Um, but you have to, um, and so after the race is complete, you're an Ironman, you've raced 140.6 miles. That does not get you out of going and collecting your bike and your gear bag after the race. But, uh, at check-in, you will be provided with two, uh, bike checkout tickets that you can give to your support, uh, crew and they can go and they can get your bike and bags out of transition for you. Um, so that, uh, I think is one of the best things that they can do for you on race day. Alternatively, perhaps the best case scenario, uh, is taking advantage of tri-bike transport's valet service, um, where neither you nor your support crew has to mess with that. Because tri-bike transport, uh, the sponsor of today's podcast, will do that for they you. They will do that for you. And yeah. it's a small fee, but I can guarantee you it's, it's money well spent. You will not regret uh, spending that money because, again, you want to go, you want to celebrate, you want to get off your feet, you don't want to mess with your bike. And particularly if you're already using Tribe by Transport to ship your bike anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at the end of the day, for what you're costing to participate in that event, it's not... It's a very, very nominal charge to let them take care of all of that on the back end. Yeah, and if you are using them for transport, they get it, and you pick it up however many days later back home at your local bike shop. Uh, if you're not using Tri-Bike Transport, you can still take advantage of that, um, and they will take that into um, their area and hold it overnight for you. Uh, so when you come down the following morning to get your finisher gear, uh, you can pick up your bike then. It's going uh, to be just a better experience to pick it up the next day than mess with it um, after the race. 
Well, that's it for today, folks. I want to thank coaches John Mayfield, Elizabeth James, and Jeff Rains for talking us through our first Ironman event or next Ironman event, but particularly my Ironman event. Um, shout out to Tri-Bike Transport for partnering with us on today's podcast and shout out to Tri-Bike Transport for taking care of our bikes on the back end of our races. Enjoying the podcast? Have any triathlon questions or topics you want to hear us talk about? Head to tryout.com slash podcast and click on submit feedback to let us know what you are thinking. We'll do it again soon. Until then, happy training. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew. For more great tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your